If you go to a grocery store or a pharmacy or a beauty store right now, it seems like you can find every imaginable product on the shelf. You'll find organic or non-organic. You'll find gluten-free, vegan makeup products and creams and shampoos. And you'll find oils from forests that you didn't know existed. And but there's one thing you don't find on the shelf anymore. From about 1920 to 1950, they used to make women's beauty products, especially makeup, with radioactive particles in it. Supposed to, like, it was supposed to energize your skin and your face. So they had all sorts of different lines of, hey, this will make you look young. And at that time, nuclear science, radioactive things were all the rage. They would, this isn't makeup, but they would actually radiate garden seeds so you could plant specially nuclearized seeds where they really wouldn't know what would grow. And if it was good, you could like write them back and say, hey, this is a cool tomato that you guys created for me. I was reading about this and there was a, um, there was a company that would a that even used uh, radioactive paint to make watch faces glow in the dark. They told their employees, this is totally safe. So the women would dip their paintbrush in the paint, lick to make sure the tip was right, and then they would paint the watch faces. Eventually, everybody found out you don't want to use radioactive makeup on your face. You don't want to use radioactive creams. You don't want radioactive seats. You don't want to use to dip your paintbrush in radioactive paint and then dip it in your mouth. But at the time, that was the promise. Hey, it looks good. This is going to be awesome. It actually ends up leading to cancer, to destruction, and to death. And I was thinking of that story because there's, we're looking in the book of Proverbs at this advice from a father to his son. And Solomon says, my son, there is a way that looks great, but it's just going to lead you to death. It's going to lead you to destruction. It's going to look great. It's, the promise is going to be, this is young, youth and vigor. This is the promise that says, here's delight and desire and love. But like that radioactive makeup, it ends up just hiding, masking the death that's coming alongside with it. So turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, we're going to be looking at verse, chapter 6, verse 20 through the end of chapter 7. It looks good, but it's going to end in disaster. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 says, My son... Keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light and correction and instruction are the way to life. Keeping you from your neighbor's wife, from the smooth talk of a wayward woman. Do not lust in your heart after her beauties or let her captivate you with her eyes. For a prostitute can be had for a loaf of bread, but another man's wife preys on your very life. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he is starving. Yet if he is caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it cost him all the wealth of his house. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. 
Blows and disgrace are his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. For jealousy arouses a husband's fury, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not accept any compensation. He will refuse a bribe, however great it is. Let's pray. God, as we open your word today, we know that the way, the way to destruction is painted to look good and to be attractive and our hearts want to go that way. I pray that you will use your word to reorient our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Proverbs chapters 1 through 9 are this advice from Solomon to his son. Some people put Solomon's writings in three camps. When he's young and in love, Solomon writes Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, this love poem to his wife. And then in his middle age and wisdom, he writes the book of Proverbs. And then in his old age, when he's old and cynical and has been down roads and has been judged by God, he writes the book of Ecclesiastes. Proverbs is this wisdom from a father to his son. And instead of it being just tiny little selections that we just grab out, Proverbs 1 through 9 hangs together as this like big lesson and lecture for his sons. We get to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. And in chapter 7, and we find him returning once again, once again to the topic of sex and lust and says, my son, you have to know this. But what's different is before in chapter 5, it was this, this positive advice to his son, hey son, this is actually the proper and godly use under God of sex inside marriage. And then chapter 6 and 7 end up saying, son, there's... There is a way that looks good, but it's going to destroy you. My son, it, it looks good and it's going to destroy you. And so the, the, what is point here? The point here in chapter 620 through chapter 7 is beware destruction disguised as love. Beware destruction disguised as love. And he says, here are three ways I want you to guard against destruction. First, remember that destruction starts in your heart. Destruction starts in your heart. The selection that I just read, verse 20 through the end of the chapter, verse 35, he lays out and says, my son, keep your father's command. My son, keep your father's command. And it, it kind of stops me because I normally think about wisdom as what's the right decision for me to make in this specific instance. But sometimes wisdom actually just looks like knowing what are the commands of God. Sometimes wisdom just means I've turned my ear and said, this is the direction that God has said, do not go. And so we have to begin to say, hey, God's laws actually can be wisdom, not just burdens. God's laws actually can be wisdom for us. And so he lays this out for his son and says, guard them, bind them around your neck, fasten them, or I'm sorry, bind them always on your heart, fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. Keeping you from your neighbor's wife, from the smooth talk of a wayward woman. But really, the, the heart of this section is in verse 25 that says, Do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes. Solomon gets at the heart of the issue is actually not what's out there, it's actually what's right in here. My own, my own heart that wants to lead me astray, not what somebody else does or does not do. So whether we are young or old, there will be things in the world that look good to us, that say, hey, go this way. 
And the advice of wisdom says, no, don't even let your heart go in that road. This is a, a, a warning up that one of the things I love about this is he says, or let her captivate you with her eyes. Another way other translations would put it, don't let her captivate you with her eyelashes. I love it that he doesn't say, with that special way of dressing, with that special thing that you, you it's ankles being visible, that special robe or that veil. It's not an article of clothing or a way of dressing. It's actually even the eyelashes of a person can be tempting to a person whose heart is headed in that way. You see, we can get so caught up in, man, some people dress immodestly or do immodest things, and the call of wisdom says, you know what? Even eyelashes can lead a person astray whose heart is already going that direction. And so the call is, will you remember that destruction starts in your heart and guard your heart from it? This is advice from a father to a son, so it would make sense that it's framed in a way of dads and boys. But God's word is for all of us, and so that means that also this applies to women, that those things that would, that it's actually things that happen in our heart that would lead us astray, not just what somebody looks like. I know of at least two marriages being rocked because the wife's expectations are based on things she's read in books, and the husband isn't like that. So it's not just that, well, some men have hearts that go this way, or all men, but all of us have hearts that set our eyes on something that does not belong to us. and Then that leads us in this way of destruction. Em and I got married, it'll be 11 years in a couple weeks. And around that time, I started serving as a college minister, started kind of in the, the Christian ministry world, and it's amazing in the 11 years that I've been in and out of ministry and seminary, the number of pastors, well-known pastors, who have fallen because of affairs, some of them outright affairs, sometimes it was emotional affairs, heading in directions they should not head. But I remember about 10 years ago, sitting in our apartment, I was serving in college ministry, a guy had an affair and so he had to resign. And another pastor said, I could never do that because I don't let myself be alone with a woman. Because I've got this rule in place, the Billy Graham rule, you may call it, because I've got this rule in place, that kind of destruction isn't even possible for me. And this song, or this proverb, says no, destruction doesn't start out there. It actually starts in a person whose heart is listening to that call and wandering down that path. And so the call to you and to I is to remember to start, destruction starts with desire in our hearts. Destruction starts there. It doesn't start with a decision down the road. So if you're a child, there will be invitations in your life to walk down roads that look good. To think about people in ways that it, it sounds good, it's exciting, it's enticing. The commercials on TV, the videos that you see online, the ads that we see in magazines say, oh, this is the good way. Wisdom says, no, that's actually destruction disguised as beauty. Don't go that way. The second way to guard against destruction is to mark the two calls in every temptation. Mark the two calls in every temptation. 
Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1 says, My son, keep my words. Hear these words again. Keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. Then he tells the story. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face she said, Today I filled my vows, and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Here in chapter 7, he lays out, there's actually two words coming to each one of us. He says, my son, keep my words and stir up my commands within you. And then skipping down to verse 5, he says, they will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. That every temptation has these two calls coming to us. Commands and smooth words. And we will have to choose which way we want to go. Which voice we're going to listen to. The one that sounds hard. The one that he says, my son, these are commands. And then she has smooth talk coming and saying, hey, this is the good way. This is the smooth way. This is the fun way. Come this direction. But every temptation has these two calls and the call to us is to go, which voice am I going to listen to? I uh, regularly visit people struggling, hurting physically, mentally, emotionally. I was in a hospital recently and a family member of the person I was visiting was there. And I never really know what to say, just hoping that I hang on for dear life, communicate that I love and care for the person that I'm with. If I can be of an encouragement, I want to be an encouragement. But as I was there listening to a hurting person and their friend there with them, I end up hearing the friend say all of the exact opposite things I would say. I was like, this, this hurting person who's struggling with all of these things that needs a big vision of God and his comfort is instead getting this pop psychology ripped off of Facebook. And here I am, there's like these two voices calling to her. This, this, this friend trying to say all of these nice, sweet sounding things that have no basis in truth and just lead to destruction. And then what I was here planning to offer. You see, that's actually the, that's a physical manifestation of what happens in every temptation. 
This friend had nicer, kinder, smoother words to say than I did. But I had words of truth from God's word. About God holding people by the right hand. But that doesn't mean that it's all going to be okay. That doesn't mean that everything's going to be fixed in this instance. And so this passage says that in every temptation, it's like that person in the hospital room with two voices. One saying, this is God's way, but it's sometimes really hard. And smooth words that say, hey, this is the good way. This is going to feel good. This is going to sound good. It's going to lead you to pleasure and to life. So the call from this passage is to mark the two ways, these two calls in every temptation. And will we tell the truth to ourselves? Or will we tell, one, tell ourselves the things that we only want to hear? Why would we come to church week after week? One of the reasons is because we need to hear the truth. Because so many people come at us with voices and so many temptations come and say, hey, look, this is the way. Walk in it. We need to hear the truth. We need to hear the truth. Then when we find ourselves in temptation that feels overwhelming, God, what am I going to do? God, what am I going to do? This, this is so persuasive. This, is, this looks so good. We have to call out to hear God's voice. God, your voice seems so quiet. As temptation and desire bombards my heart, bombards my ears. Will we cry out saying, God, I want to hear your voice. I don't want to be destroyed. God, let me hear what you have to say. And the third way to guard against destruction is keep your heart from the path of destruction. Keep your heart out of the path of destruction. Verse 24 says, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. This is those words again. Do not let your heart turn to her paths or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. Here we get to the heart again. We can so easily say that temptation and desire, that adultery and those things are things that happen out there. Let's guard ourselves from them. This passage says, son, your heart is going to so easily want to go and walk into the path of destruction. You will walk yourself into the chambers of death disguised as chambers of love. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. This is the hard part. We can't just rail at a world that's outside the church walls. We can't just rail at a world that's outside of our home. We can't just rail against all of those things out there. We have hearts that are easily seduced by the eyelashes of another person. This passage says, keep your heart from the path of destruction. In 1889, in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, there was a massive flood. Up until that point, there was a, there was a Johnstown was a, an industry town. They, they worked in the steel industry. And up the river above the town in the mountains, the steel magnates like Andrew Carnegie built a summer retreat and over a period of years dammed up the river with an earth dam. And then one weekend, this earth dam that a few people had concerns about had begun to be weakened and then there was a massive rain and a massive rain and it just kept raining. And then, and then the, the overflow, the spillway got blocked with rubble. Tree limbs, tree stumps, rocks jammed the spillway so water couldn't get around the dam. So it began spilling over the top and eating away at the dam 
until it ate the entire and blew out the entire dam. When the dam blew, the force of the water was three times the power of Niagara Falls. And then it began picking up steam as it went towards the city. At times it was 70 feet high, a rushing wall of water with stones and house parts and trees. It got dammed up at a bridge at one point, and so then when it hit the town, it hit with almost twice the force that it had started with. The people had already been flooded into their homes. They couldn't get out. And so when this wall of water and train locomotives and trees came rushing into the town, it just wiped the town. It was the worst disaster the United States had seen to that point. And I'm telling you that because Solomon is telling his son, my son, there are paths of destruction masked as paths of love and do not get your heart in them. Do not put your heart in the path of this kind of destruction. So we hear this and we go, this sounds so simple. Oh, it just means stop it. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Joe. I'm just supposed to stop when temptation comes. Okay, remember the destruction starts in my heart. Mark the two ways and keep my heart from that path. Okay, thank you. The truth is, who's going to save us from bodies of death like this? Our own hearts so easily go down this road where even eyelashes can lead us astray, let alone all the other things that we can see. Who's going to save me from this heart? The story of the Bible is that Jesus, who was perfectly pure, He was the friend of prostitutes and sinners, but nobody ever accused Him of sin with one of them. Think about that. They had a million things they accused Him of. They accused him of being a friend of prostitutes, but they never accused him of sexual sin. Jesus, who was perfectly pure, who knew those ways of temptation, his heart never walked in them, but instead actually went into the path of destruction in our place. So that those of us whose hearts have been so easily led astray, who have put ourselves in the path of destruction, if we repent of sin and trust in Jesus alone to save us, we actually have been made right with God and get His perfectly pure record. You see, we can so easily take a passage like this and say, guys, be pure like Solomon calls us to when the story of the Bible is that Jesus, who is perfectly pure, says, I will take your filth, you take my righteousness. And now, out of that righteousness... Out of that righteousness, you can begin to live a new kind of life outside this path of destruction. So imagine what that looks like. Imagine what that looks like when parents begin to say, hey, I want to raise children that don't walk in the way of destruction, but not based on what's happening out there, but cultivating hearts that love Jesus, have traded for His righteousness, and then out of the middle of that begin to live pure lives. You see, there's so much out there, including eyelashes, that can lead us astray. What if we began to pray and to work and to, to call on God and say, God, what does it mean to raise up children where purity comes from the heart that they've traded with Jesus? What would that mean for there to be victory in your life in the area of purity and 
Not because there's more laws laden on you, but because you're freed from the the curse of destruction that you deserve. And you've been given new life in Christ. And then He begins to work out purity from the inside. What would that look like for there to be a church in this town, in this region, for there to be churches in this region where we become a refuge for people that have been destroyed by the path of destruction. The, these ways that have lied to them, we can say, hey, here's the new way. Here's the good way. Here is the way of life that God has laid out for us. So instead of pushing back at people that have been destroyed by this, instead we become a welcoming and loving and cultivating place that says, oh, there is salvation found in Christ. There is a new life found in Christ. There is a new way of life free from this path of destruction. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this Word. Thank You that You save us from our own sin, that You are the one that calls to us in the midst of every temptation. Lord, I pray that we would become a community calling to those in the path of destruction. Here is the way to life. Here is Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's all stand together.